and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the show that explores the lives and works of women writers from the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries. I am your host, Lauren Burke. And I am your host, Hannah Chapman. And this week, we're talking about the 2006 and 2011 adaptations of Jane Eyre. We're taking them head to head. Now, I have seen both of these before, Lauren, but I think this was your first time watching the BBC one, which is the 2006 one. Correct. Yes. Yes. And what a treat. First time with this adaptation. Um, So I will say, in case you guys aren't familiar with it, this adaptation came out in 2006 in four parts, um, and it was adapted by Sandy Welch, who also wrote the 1999 version of Our Mutual Friend, the 2009 version of Emma, and our beloved North and South. So... What a resume this gal's got. Um, It was also directed by Susanna White, who is no stranger to period dramas like uh, Parade's End. And I believe she also did Bleak House. Um, And it stars Ruth Wilson and son of Dame Maggie Smith, Toby Stevens. You always you always tell that fact. And then you you look at photos of them side by side and it's just uncanny. It really is. It's just Maggie Smith's face on a man. You know the gypsy scene? They could have had Maggie Smith play uh, Mr. Rochester oh. as a, in costume. And then he like... What a treat. Like a rubber mask. And then... Anyway, getting ahead of myself. Yeah, so you are. the 2011 <laughs> film stars Michael Fassbender, who is best known for playing the robot in Prometheus. And mm-hmm. Mia Wazikowska, who was in Lauren's favorite film, Crimson Peak. Yep. True you story. love that film. It was directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who directed It and Maniac. So this is definitely in the same wheelhouse as both of those projects. Mm -hmm. Yep, just really loves that. Mm -hmm. Just really a master of this craft. The screenplay was by Moira Tafini, who adapted Tamara Drew for film, which itself is an adaptation, a comic adaptation of the Thomas Hardy novel Far from a Madding Crowd. And she wrote Harlots. Yeah, which you still need to watch. Which I still need to watch. Now, I've got a long list for this one, and there's a reason. So the casting was done by Nina Gold, and Nina Gold is responsible for the casting of The Crown and Game of Thrones and Chernobyl Mm. and, like, everything. There's a really good Guardian Long Reads interview with Nina Gold that you should listen to because it's fascinating. The music was composed by Dario Marianelli, who did the music for Atonement, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice and the Duchess and the costumes were designed by Michael O'Connor who also did the costumes in the Duchess and I wanted to just put all of those big hitters out there I'm sure there's a lot more people with like gold golden credits just to their Mm -hmm. names that worked on this project but I think it's interesting that one of the things that kept coming up for this film is just how like rich it felt in terms of the cinematography and the costuming. And I think it really had a lot of like high hitters on there. Like some big names were working on it, not just in terms of the cast, but the crew is like a really stellar lineup of people that have really defined the genre of period drama in like Mm -hmm. the last couple of decades. So yeah, I thought that was really cool to see all of the behind the scenes stuff and how everyone fits together. So now I will say, if you guys haven't seen either of these... Stop this right now and go watch them because yeah, this it's, it's isn't well gonna, worth it. This isn't going to make gonna any mean sense. Much. No. Why would you? <laughs> why would you do this? 
No. And um, I mean, I'm not supposed to say this, but you can easily find them on the internet. You can. I won't tell you legal. which. I won't tell you which one of them I watched that way. But I did watch one of them on BritBox. And you can get a 30 day free trial. And let me say that as a British person who pays a TV license, I really feel like it's cheeky of the BBC to put BritBox out because now I have to pay twice to watch stuff that I've realize- already paid for. You guys could also get BritBox. I thought that was only... I oh, got wow. it. I mean... Wow. I didn't we realize pay, you We could. paid for it. Wow. It would be nice to... Cheeky. It would be nice to access that stuff. <laughs> that is cheeky. It but how great rude. is it that you have access to all of Inspector Morse right now? Mm. So great. All right. So we're going to go ahead and break down this film. So let's start with Jane. How about that? Who had the best Jane? So personally, I did prefer Ruth Wilson. Uh, Mia does not do it for me at all. She feels like a total dead weight in this film. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that for me, like Ruth Wilson just like laughs a lot in it. There's like Mm -hmm. a playful nature to it. I really believe the relationship between her and the guy, Toby Stevens. Rochester. (laughs) I was trying to go for the actor's name. Um, between the 2006 Jane and Rochester that I really believe that and I think a lot of that is because of the amount of personality that Ruth Wilson has in it and that might be Mm -hmm. down to directing they might have just been like hey Mia just imagine you've got a wet fish on your face and you can't move (laughs) it Uh, so yeah her her Jane is a little meek and the spirit is kind of just see it's just seen it's just peeking out a little bit but it's kind of not Mm -hmm. there but then if you look at the child actresses, I flip it. So I hated the 2006 Baby Jane. The 2011 one does a great job. But honestly, yeah. the girl from Narnia can just do one. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh. I um I have to say, it's really interesting to me that this was uh, Ruth Wilson's, like, big break. She has uh, one yeah. very minor TV credit to her name, like, before she booked this job. So... She had a lot writing on this role. That's mm-hmm. a that's a lot of pressure, really, to not only take like a prestige period drama, but like the role. So, um, and I think she just smashed it. Like, I just think she is one of those actresses that has it. Yeah. And I think it's because she has this like distinctive look and like this voice. And she's very compelling, like even in quiet mm-hmm. moments. So I get it. Like I'm I'm very drawn to her. By comparison, I think Mia has great posture. <laughs> and she seems nice. Like, I just, I didn't feel... She seems like a sweet girl. She seems like a sweet girl. I thought that uh, Ruth Wilson's delivery of the... Well, I'm going to misquote it now. But um, sure. the... I'm, I might be small, but I've got emotions speech. Do you know the one I mean? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I thought that her delivery of that was really powerful and then it just sounded like uh, Mia, I feel I should try and remember her surname, shouldn't I? What's her name? Mia Wasikowska just yeah. read it. Just read it. Yeah. She didn't understand she, it. She didn't feel it. Yeah. 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 I have to say like, and maybe you guys know of some, I was looking for some interviews with Mia out there where like, I could get like an just I could just try to figure out what her angle on the character was, what her like in was mm-hmm. on Jane Eyre. And um, everything felt like a line to me. 
like a pre-fed like PR line, like, oh, I'm really attracted to Jane's like rebellious spirit. That was kind of like Yeah, because it's interesting. It. I didn't, didn't get that from her performance. <laughs> didn't either. I just was kind of curious to know what was going on there. And I think maybe you're on to something. I do think it might might have been like down to direction because I think everything looked nice. Yeah. I think I it, it's always really, really we're talking about the character. It's really easy to blame the cast, but you don't know what conversations were happening. You don't know what they put out mm-hmm. there that was shot down or, you know, what was workshopped and stuff. So, you know, I want to say it's a bad performance, but it could be. It it could be. It could be direction and also... Maybe her yeah. corset was too tight. Well, she did say that the corset was very tight. She was <laughs> tiny in that, like, that waistline. Yeah. So Neve said, I can never have enough praise to give Ruth Wilson perfection. And Valentina said, Mia W is just too pretty for me. And I didn't think she had the spiritual weight that Jane carries. But Matthias said, Mia Wasikowska captured that still intensity in a way no adaptation has done before. So just to let you know, not all of the opinions are going to weigh in favour of the 2006 version or the 2011 one. It was a real mixed bag in terms of the the details when it came to your comments in the Facebook group. So we've covered Jane. Who do you think's your best Rochester? Best Rochester, hands down, Toby Stevens. Yeah. Gets it. Yeah. Oh my God, he gets it. Um, The laughing thing again. Yeah. Well, they have great chemistry. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. The two of them and do I such have a to, good job. They really do. And I have to wonder, too, if, like, that was another reason why Ruth got cast, not having anything substantial to her name. Like, if they right. got her in yeah. the room with Toby and they were like, these two really yeah. make sense together. Um, so I went out looking for interviews with Toby Stevens regarding Rochester, and I did pull this quote, which I thought was great. He says, I remember sitting in the main hall thinking, this is fucking torture. My face was frozen in this kind of rictus, and I thought, this is going to be Rochester's expression. I can't move anything. It was horrible for about three, four weeks, and then it slowly started thawing out. By summer, it was the most beautiful place on earth. So he's talking about Haddon Hall and they shot, I think, in the dead of winter. Yeah. And actually, that is a great point, right? Like, you would be cold. You would be like, I don't know. I'd be angry all the time. I'd be surly. I'm not really very pleasant in any kind of hot or cold weather. He also said that um, he appreciates that Rick Grin or not, his Rochester will not satisfy all of the book's devotees. Every woman certainly has their own idea of Mr. Rochester. I'd had this image in my head of him being this rather remote, enigmatic, taciturn figure. And I read the book again. And actually, he never shuts up. He just grinds on and on and on. He's actually quite theatrical. Yeah, because do you remember when I read it and I was like, oh, Mr. Rochester won't stop talking. And he just talks and talks and talks and talks to her. And like the gypsy thing. He loves playing tricks on people. He's playful. He likes word games and like thinking and talking about stuff. Um, I think he almost gets, I think he gets a bit Heathcliff. 
So yes. you know in you know in Austin stuff it's like everyone turns into some kind of version of Mr. Darcy and every heroine mm-hmm. turns into Elizabeth Bennet. I think because he's a Bronte character, he gets turned into a Heathcliff version of Mr. Rochester. I think that is absolutely spot on. I think that um theatrical that line in Toby Stevens' quote is like totally key here because um when you think about Fassbender by comparison like he's certainly moody and handsome and totally Heathcliff as you said Mm. but he just doesn't like put me on edge the way that Stevens does and like the humor is key to that right because in some scenes you're like oh he's funny okay I get it he's sarcastic and funny and then in other scenes you're like uh what's going on with this guy like yeah John only watched two minutes of this with me but he came into the room and it was during one of Rochester's theatrical bits. And he was like, what is with this guy? And I was like, yeah, that's like the right reaction. That's what you should be thinking. Not I'm I'm bored. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, for me, Michael Fassbender doesn't do anything. I don't know what it was about the casting of those two, because I don't think it I don't think the casting applies to everyone. But there's something about the performance where he is. I mean, yeah, he is so Heathcliff, or just he's so shut off, he's so repressed, and people are like, oh, yeah. he's got like a, a dangerous edge, I think he was described with. But I'm just like, he's so flat. He's just like an old, angry man who wants to shag his young employee. <laughs> Tale well, as think... old as time. Thank you, Michael Fassbender, you robot in Prometheus. <laughs> repressed is the key word. I think not robot. He... <laughs> Well, I think that he thought Jane Eyre, I did watch an interview with him and he was kind of like, oh yeah, like I've read it. My mom and sister love it. Like it's for them. So that was kind of his- Oh, he's above it. I think he's a little above it. I think that he didn't really, I think he was like, yeah, he says Twilight's really in. People love like repressed romantic stories. So I think that's where he was going with this. read a book, Michael. (laughs) Michael, Jeez. really getting it this podcast. Jeez. Ugh. So uh, I think the real hero, the real hero in our Facebook thread was neither Toby Stevens or Michael Fassbender. It was actually Timothy oh. Dalton. <laughs> Who is Timothy Dalton? <laughs> oh, dear. Do I have to go down this road with you? Who is he? Uh, let's move along to uh, a character I didn't really think we would talk about. But then after viewing all of this, we must have a discussion about Sinjin. Yeah, because he was played by my boyfriend, Jamie Bell, who I would cast in any film at any time. I think he's wow. one of my favorite actors to look at. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, Vedrana said that he does a wonderful job of conveying St. John's weirdness, intense, almost creepy energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I agree. And I want that I creepy too. energy as a romantic lead in a Jane Austen adaptation yesterday. Has he been in one? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think we need that energy. I think we need it. Who even was the other guy in the other one? Just like, just some old brown haired man. Well, that other guy was Andrew Parker Bowles in The Crown, actually. Oh, for a second, I thought you were just going to finish with, that's Andrew Parker Bowles. (laughs) That is Camilla's first husband. Um, He's done a ton of TV acting, including Cranford. 
you guys might it. know him from that great great watch cranford this christmas actually it's perfect christmas viewing um he was also in Broadchurch, big favorite of mine um his sinjin was weird it was interesting it was really meek oh yeah he did nothing he was just kind of there jamie bell yes like i'm on that train i thought he was great but i think the downside to his performance was that he seemed to connect better with mia than michael fassbender's rochester oh yeah so you're totally rooting for sinjin yeah like there was that scene when he um proposes to her and he's like He's like, say his name. And he says it in this way that's just very, like, sexually charged. And I was like, oh, I need that to come at different. I need that in different scenes, that sort of that energy. Well, you just, I mean, you don't need, you need that energy in those scenes. You just need more from Rochester. You don't need less Sinjin. You just need the main guy to actually step up. So, you know, I was obsessed with, like, the Sinjin stuff when I read it. Mm-hmm. It was like there was a lot of it. I actually think neither of them go into Sinjin enough. Yeah, I could have true. more. I could have more. Um, I did like in the 2006 one. You get like a little bit more of his relationship with. I'm gonna call her Olive. I don't think that's her name. This oh oh okay yeah Lady Olivia the, some the the chick yeah, in the, the blue girl. dress. Mm-hmm. Um, the chick he's in love with. Yeah, but I don't feel like you don't. You don't really get what's happening there. And in the book, it's like he wants to be with her and Jane's like counselling on it, uh, counselling him on it. And it's like a punishment thing. He's like depriving himself and it's like a religious act. And Mm -hmm. he just, he just seems like a kind of, I don't know, wet guy. Just seems like a bit of a sad lad. Like the (laughs) internal turmoil just doesn't come across. Yeah. um, I think he's especially wet in the 2006 version. Just just soggy. I mean, I think Ruth also just sort of dominates those scenes as mm-hmm. well. You're just like, this would never work. I mean, which is what you ultimately want to get from that relationship, right? Like, I just, I think he should be icy. Like Rochester is fire yeah. and Sinjin is like cold and icy. And as much as I love Jamie Bell, I think he was made, you know, it could have been icier. It could have been colder, a bit more surgical. Oh, I thought he was very surgical. <laughs> Maybe I just like him too much. Maybe you do. I actually thought he was very icy, but we also didn't get enough time with him and the cousins and like that whole storyline. Like we kind of needed more to really play off of. Yeah, I think it just doesn't honestly. It just doesn't work for me just because how much because of how integral to the book he and his family and stuff is. And then you just don't get it in the films because there's a lot to put in. There's a lot to unpack in the film and having this whole other, yeah. I mean, she has this whole other relationship, you know, not like a romantic yeah. relationship, but it's as important to the story and it just kind of gets brushed aside. So, Well, the thing is like the book is like the life of Jane Eyre and yeah. both the miniseries in the film focus on Jane Eyre and Rochester. Okay. So next, best costumes. Almost unfair, I think honestly, because I really, really love, love, love the costumes in the 2011 version, especially that wedding dress that Jane has. I think that's great. And also when she gets her money, like her bonnet budget, like clearly goes up. Like Mm. they were really paying attention to that because that last bonnet she's wearing is A plus. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I just think that visually in every way, 
2011 has the edge because it's got the budget it's got newer cameras it's it was filmed later in history so i guess there's some kind of technological advances it's crisper you know Mm -hmm. there's like a sharpness to it the budget the amazing crew i think so i think when it comes to stuff like that it's almost like a little on a little unfair just like you know because it is Mm -hmm. cinematic yes it is yeah those details are well i mean think about it too like i feel like there's a realism that i appreciate to the 2006 costumes but those are coming into your living room and then the 2011 ones are on a big screen and you can see a lot of detail in like jane's dresses especially that last like pink dress really beautiful like work in that dress and the and the wedding dress like i said like you can see like oh there are details to be appreciated outfits are insane when aren't we really, yes like oh in, yes they yeah, are good and you just get like a second of it uh but yeah yeah re- yeah really good really good really good costuming in the 2011 one like mind mind-blowingly good so now i didn't have aunt reed down on this list but can we just like hit her up real quick sally hawkins yeah 2011 sally aunt hawkins reed. she wins she's going on the I mean, she's going on the pie chart on the board of best bits we're picking from each of the so we've got 2006 jane in rochester we've got 2011 sinjin we've got 2011 so i'd say supporting cast 2011 pick them up stick them in mm-hmm. she was great yeah um we did have a comment i can't remember who said it but props to you um that tara fitzgerald is aunt reed in the 2006 version and of course she was in tenant of wildville hall just like a few years earlier, like as the lead, and then like, oh wow, oh really? Side character in in Jane Eyre, yeah. Wow, really relegated down. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay, now back to the board. Best locations. This is a trick question, but I'm going to fall into your trap. 2011. I didn't mean for this to be a trick question. I saw honestly. you. You know what? We work in a live document, Lauren, and I saw you write 2011 and then delete the answer and write the ambush. So you go ahead. You read out. Okay. You read out this little trap you set for me. I was definitely going to agree with you and say 2011, but guess what? Both were shot at Haddon Hall, which is crazy. Um, So in that 2011 version, Haddon Hall looks very ethereal and cinematic. And in the 2006 version, it looks very lived in. So I actually can appreciate them both. And I think both are appropriate for what they were doing. Yeah. Because I actually do like those great hall scenes of um, of Haddon Hall, like in the 2006 version, when like Rochester is entertaining and you do feel like it feels not like a set. It does feel like a real place. So I did actually really like that. But it is shot so well in the 2011 version. I Yeah, I mean, personally, I just think they shoot it. I just think it looks better in the 2011 version. And again, you know, uh, the set dressing. The set dressing is great. You know, all sorts of stuff. So I think, like, I didn't... I thought the exterior was the same when I was watching Mm -hmm. it. I was like, oh, I think that's the same because I watched it in the same day. So I saw the shot of it burnt down twice and I was mm-hmm. like that, right. looks, that looks like the same building um but I yeah I just 
yeah, it's hard with locations because it's like, oh, do you like picture A of this building or do you like picture B of this building? Right. Well, I think it's very interesting that it's the same place because it just shows you like how you can shoot and dress something so differently and get such a different feeling from it. Um, Also, it's really beautiful in the summer. Like you get more of the like that outdoor time in that 2006 version. And I did actually just want to like walk around Thornfield Hall. I really need to visit Haddon Hall. Um, Tons of other things have been shot there, including the greatest movie of all time, The Princess Bride. Um, Pride and Prejudice, 2005, also shot there. Elizabeth and uh, the other Bolin girl. We should so go. So this is like, we should go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. I did prefer um, Bertha's bedroom in the 2006 one in comparison mm-hmm. to the 2011 one because it felt like more humane living quarters. And I think actually, you know, I've got a lot of thoughts about how both films handled Bertha. And I think yeah. the set dressing of the room is actually a really good like shorthand for how they how they go about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, how do you solve a problem like Bertha in the 21st century? This is really, really quite difficult. I would say um, in the film version, Bertha is essentially a non-character, right? Yeah. Like in an interview, Fassbender said that he played Rochester as a man being eaten away by a secret. And I think that's what she is essentially in this movie. She's just a secret. She's just an idea. She's like character motivation. She's not fully fleshed out. And so that room being so stark and so bleak kind of tracks with that, right? Yeah. And I just... I mean, I do think that in terms of her physical appearance, the 2011 Bertha is closer to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think also the other thing is it comes down to is just how sympathetic they want Rochester to be. So in 2006, right. her room is furnished. She, her hair is brushed. Like it's not, it's mm-hmm. not dressed. It's not up. It's loose. You know, she's wearing pajamas, but like there's rugs. She's sat at a dressing table. There's trinkets. There's things on the wall. It looks like a lovely room. It's a prison, Mm -hmm. but it's a well-decorated one. Right. And I think that they also show a much more complicated portrayal of mental health. Like she's Mm -hmm. not just pacing backwards and forwards and trying to kill people. She's uh she has her good moments she, and yeah, her bad she's moments. She's lucid, she's out of it. She, you know, the, um, I mean, the flashbacks to him and he like catches her having sex. I think, you know, I've said before, I'm like, I'm really pro um, period dramas and adaptations, including very visible like sex scenes or saying like, this is what mm-hmm. a reader would have got from the text. This is a nuance that people don't, mm-hmm we don't get and it is in the book that that one of the things you know was was that she was like going off and shagging other people right and i think if you don't like that when it's like erratic i don't know it's just a lot right and i just think that in the 2011 one there's no layers to it there's no like different bits or spikes in what's happening or anything like that so i'm not trying to justify rochester but just yeah i think as an image of mental health um, and then, yeah, in the 2011 one, she just, like you said, she just totally comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And the whole film is less gothic. Mm-hmm. And so in 2006, you've got a more realistic portrayal of mental health in a film that is more gothic. So it's more, mm-hmm. in a, 
you know, it's much more stylized. And then in the one which is more realistic and less gothic, you have a less realistic portrayal of mental health. It's like totally... It's weird. It, it's so weird. It's totally I, weird. Um, it's yeah. Like, it's strange to me too, because I feel like the um, atmosphere of the film is such that you could really add in those gothic elements of like playing with the viewer of like, is it haunted Mm -hmm. or what's going on? And it's kind of weird that they don't go down that route. But then I wonder what the conversations were regarding Bertha. Was it like, we're going to deal with this head on or this is problematic. So we're just going to look the other way. No, I think they were trying to look the other way because they have that line where basically um, uh, Fassbender's Rochester uh, explains he's like oh well my only other option was sending her to an asylum and I went and those places are awful so I had to keep her here that's the least I could do and I'm like yeah you kept her in a tower locked up in a room with no furniture in it right she's in a cell like are you treating her better and it just feels a bit like they they really want you to just be like oh he's a good guy like he's actually being yeah. kind to her and that's like a really right. quick way of doing it and it just yeah I don't know I just felt like they were trying quite hard to redeem him in that moment like we know Mm -hmm. he's done this awful thing but here's his really valid reason and I guess I'm just I'm not sure like how valid that reason is like it's a nice thing to say but I don't think the actions of Rochester back it up in yeah so you can't just give that line to a character and it's all fine I think that would have been a more appropriate line in the 2006 version or a more expected line yeah. in that version, right? It fits in with the, like the narrative that they're trying to to paint there. It also comes down to timing. I do believe that in the miniseries, it felt like Sandy Welch was like, we're going to deal with this. We're going to give it some room. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the film, they're like, we're going to, we're just going to gloss over this. Yeah. 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 Don't let this get in the way of shagging. Speaking of writing... Best script. So I this is the thing that I really enjoyed the conversation about in the Facebook group, uh, just mm-hmm. how like the pacing was handled. So some people preferred the chronological approach that was taken in 2006. So it kind of follows the narrative of the book and you start at the beginning when Jane is a child and then you kind of follow it through and things just happen in the order they happen in. Uh, but and when I first watched 2011, I was like, oh, um, this pacing is all over the place and I'm not liking it. But when I watched them both today, I really preferred the pacing of the 2011 one, just in terms of how it introduced the childhood stuff and getting it moving. And I think it's really interesting that the film opens at her lowest point because it's almost like, oh, you think the childhood was bad? Well, actually having the hope of a better life like what happens to her at Thornfield is worse than what happened to her as a child because in in a lot of ways, because it's like she was resigned to it as a child. Like she knew that was going to be the yeah. case, but she's let herself be vulnerable again in a way that she probably hasn't for a decade. And then it's mm-hmm. all snatched away. So yeah, I think I think that was a, a really interesting way of doing it. And and yeah, just the all of the childhood stuff in the 2011 one, I really liked. I really liked that and I liked how you kind of yeah you get little bits of stuff and I just think having the narrative move like that really works for Jaina mm-hmm. so I I yeah. like the opening a lot too actually I um it's interesting I was reading Amazon reviews for this and 
I would say 95% of the negative reviews were that it was not beat for beat the book. Yeah. And I think it is going again back to like that idea of understanding with any adaptation, you're going to have to, it's going to be condensed. Like you have to like pick your battles with it. I think having the childhood scenes, like if you're not going to give it time and room, having the childhood scenes at the start, like the 2006 one, it's garbage. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't match up to It slows it the, down. It does, yeah. it does slow it you down. You know, it, you're just sat there waiting for Helen to die. Like, <laughs> hurry up. Which none of the children act- can act. I will say that's the most effective scene in the movie for me is when Helen dies yeah. and like Jane is pulled away. I thought that was actually just really emotional. Yeah, really well, well done. Better acting as well. Yeah. Just, and it's not, but also I actually the, the, where it was placed in the script, I actually felt like the emotional impact of it was, it was well paced. And acted. I will say, I do think that Sandy Welch has done a great job with the adaptation. Like, I can tell, too, sort of even by her past resume, that she has a lot of respect for the book. Like, I do think that the 2006 script is is really good. I actually, I think they're both quite good. I would, pref- I prefer the 2006 version because there is, because m- you have more breathing time, you can cover more things. But I think for the 2011 version, Bertha is probably my biggest, Bertha and Sinjin are probably my biggest like pain points in that script. But I think for what it is, like she handled it pretty, pretty admirably. It's It's a huge book. I like, I really like the framing of the 2011 one. But then other than that, I think both of them do stuff that I don't like, you know, like I can't forgive the childhood stuff. And then also neither of them do Sinjin justice. Um, there's there's all sorts of stuff that we'll kind of get to later on that um, I really like that's missing. And so, yeah, it's it with scripts, like they're both good scripts. I prefer the framing of one. And I think other than that, it's just a case of like, just liking. I think, yeah, the Bertha thing is a, a big letdown in the 2011 yeah. one. Yeah, almost unforgivably yeah. so. And if it's a time constraint thing, then I just is this the I feel story like you, you want to, to tell in your, two hours yeah yeah you need to pick your priority with Jane Eyre what is it going to be is it going to be Jane and Rochester the romance is it going to be like Jane the person and yeah. like a growth like yeah, yeah you have to I, and I'm not quite sure I think really it's just the romance with these guys is maybe the top line yeah and it's a shame I think it does the book yeah. a disservice yeah you guys had a lot of thoughts, of course, on the script. Um, Adriana said that she didn't like the flashback framing in the 2011 version. And I thought it felt like Jane and Rochester's relationship progressed too fast. Having the extra time in the miniseries makes a big difference. I do think that is true with the relationship, but also better chemistry. Yeah, just the flirting. There's no flirting yeah. in the film. There's no flirting. After. Yeah. You need the flirting. Matthias said, 2011 by far, opening with a flashback was a smart way of finding a place for the St. Uh, John, the St. John storyline. <laughs> and the dialogue is almost word for word ripped from the book. No adaptation will ever capture the inner life of Jane fully, but the 2011 version is the one that still manages to make actual book material come alive in a cinematic way, not just by inventing new shit. Vidrana says... Moira Buffini's screenplay for the 2011 version is fantastic and really does a great job of bringing the language and the dialogue to life. 
And Alicia says, 2006. I do wish they had kept more of Bronte's original dialogue. I remember feeling like they were dumbing it down. Yeah. So those are both really interesting points. I think Mm -hmm. one of the, it's always hard with adaptations because you don't want to be like, I don't think it's a purist thing, but Mm -hmm. the two that I've seen, no one ever does the bit where she leaves and then she's on the moors and then she's got like a couple of days where she's slowly starving to death. She's not, I mean, it's a physical toll. No one will feed her. She is going from door to door. She's in a town. She's trying to barter. She tries to swap her gloves for some food and no one will help her. And I think... It's a really powerful scene of everyday acts of unkindness. Like these tiny Mm -hmm. little like microaggressions that all of these people do. And I'm sure no one thinks that if they don't help her, it's a death sentence. But ultimately that's what it is. And if she hadn't found the house in the darkness, then she would have died. And there's like a brief line in the film where the sisters do say, oh, we turned her away. Like we would have found that body in the morning if you hadn't brought her in. Yeah. And I think with the Sinjin stuff, I actually think it's it's quite interesting for his character that everyone else has turned her away, everyone else has turned her away. And then yeah. this, you know, angel appears, like mm-hmm. named after a saint, carries right. her into the house. And like with all of this, so in terms of just like the religious undertones and all of the stuff with him and his character, I think that that kind of, leads up to that really nicely you don't have time for it in the film but i'd have liked to have seen it in the tv series where they've got a bit more time i actually and weirdly i think it would have been really nicely placed in the film because i think cinematically they could have done a really nice job with that yeah like a little Um, tiny remote village like just yeah i think it could have been it could have added to that i mean it had such a spooky ethereal quality i feel like that would have been really effective you know because it was so moody Um, because that is very, that scene really represents a lot of Jane Eyre of like how it is this accumulation of acts of unkindness throughout her life. Yeah. But also how she, like, she forgives people. So it would really reflect. So she's treated really horribly at the school she's at and then she stays to teach. She's treated really horrible by her aunt and her cousins. And then she goes back when her aunt asks for her. She's badly mistreated by this small community when she is in dire and desperate need and then she stays and teaches their children right and i know she's got ulterior motives for doing it but it's like yeah the at no point is her spirit broken by it right like people keep they keep knocking her down and knocking her down and i think that yeah just that's just like another way of showing that well i think for us too like that would be probably the heart of Jane Eyre and like if we were adapting it we'd be like oh that's the thing we want to capture is that this is a woman who's not who hasn't been broken yeah and I don't really feel that from either of these adaptations just that sadly was not the goal yeah no you're right yeah you're right yeah sadly (laughs) now overall thoughts big picture thoughts uh so Alden said not crazy about either to be honest And Joy said, to be honest, I don't think any Jane Eyre adaptations I've seen are terribly successful. It doesn't stop me from watching and getting some enjoyment from them. But when you don't have Jane's narration, you lose so much. Yeah, I agree. This is, I I think this is a hard to adapt thing. I think you should Mm -hmm. try and adapt it. And I think they are great pieces of film and television, but there's just a lot of books. So read, read the book as well. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think from the Facebook thread, I think there's a lot of people who like both. There's a lot of people who like things from 2011 and things from 2006. But everyone just kept coming back to, if you're just going by the relationship of Jane and Rochester, 2006, Mm -hmm. 2006, 2006, 2006. Like, to the finish line. It's, you know, it's not a photo finish. Like, it's a clear winner. Not like, it's it's a complicated win. It's not Mm -hmm. perfect. But yeah, I think that's the one where people are more confident in saying, like, I like that one. Neve said that the 2006 adaptation is amazing and far and away my favorite. As ahem, distracting as Fassbender is on the new one, he doesn't capture the essence of Rochester like Toby Stevens. And I can never have enough praise to give Ruth Wilson perfection. Yeah, and then Lilith also says, you see, it keeps coming back to this chemistry. Yeah. Ruth Wilson and Toby Stevens broke the prim and proper mold and showed a more human side to the characters. Mia Wasikowska and Michael Fassbender had some fantastic moments, but they never clicked as Jane and Rochester for me. Yeah. Yeah. It feels, they they feel like beautiful set pieces. Yeah. I think is the thing. And but also when I watch it, I just look at it and I'm like, I can't un I can't unthink of the thing you told me about him chain smoking. And so I just every time I watch it, I'm like, Michael Fassbender, you stink of cigarettes. <laughs> Probably. I have a very quick Michael Fassbender story. <laughs> so now someone in my family, I will not say who and I will not say um the details of their job, but um they run into Michael Fassbender once a month for work at work. And um, they're always like, oh, Michael Fassbender, so kind, so cool. Like, I know he's gotten some really bad press, but, and I know he was kind of wild back in the day, but he's great. And I'm always like, oh, okay, okay, interesting. And um, then finally, they showed me a picture of them with Michael Fassbender. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's, um, that's not Michael Fassbender. That's Colin Farrell. Which one's Colin Farrell? Not Will Farrell, the dark-haired one. <laughs> dark-haired, also Irish. He was in Scrubs for an episode, wasn't he? Was was he? Is that how you know Colin Farrell? I mean, what else has he been in? Um. So back to overall thoughts <laughs> on Jane Eyre versus Jane Eyre. I will say, I know I've said this on the show a million times before, but I just think it's too difficult to adapt Emily and Charlotte properly. I think you could pro- probably do it with Anne. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll talk about that more next year. But um, I think with Emily and Charlotte, the genius is just caught up in the structure and the style of the prose. And you need to experience that in the book. Um, so anyone that's going to adapt this material, you are already like, you need to figure out how you're going to supplement that. You need to bring something else to the table. And I think aesthetically, the 2011 version is really, really lovely. But there are issues um but i mean what is great about that film is that you could pause it almost at like any point and just frame it mm-hmm. it's so lovely and it does i feel like capture a visual spirit of the book but um it's lacking in chemistry obviously yeah. so i find myself preferring the 2006 version for like that character connection i think i think is really essential has more rewatch value yes so yeah, my final verdict is they both do really interesting stuff. 
I want to mash them together. Mm-hmm. I just want bits of each of them. And yeah. I think that is why it is fun to keep remaking the same stories and to explore themes and to do mm-hmm. new costumes. It gives you something to talk about at the pub. Because this is what yes. people talk about at the pub, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I only do this with you on a podcast. <laughs> All right, lads. Have you uh, seen that Michael Fassbender one? And then the other guy goes, oh, I thought that was Colin Farrell. So not the last episode of the year, but our last time recording for the year together Mm -hmm. before we go on our little Christmas break. So I Mm -hmm. thought I should tell you about the uh, pizza I ate today, Lauren. Oh, wow. Because it's uh, the way you were lining that up. I thought you were going to like do an ad. And I was like, we don't have any ad content. We don't have any ad content, but this could be an ad. It was my work Christmas party yesterday and I got... Mm -hmm totally smashed but Mm -hmm. i remember everything and i definitely don't remember embarrassing myself so that's a win but i was horribly hungover today and so i needed a little treat so i treated Mm -hmm. myself to the papa john's christmas pizza would you like to know what was on this pizza lauren i mean yes instead of a tomato sauce there was red wine gravy yeah. <laughs> I'm like physically in pain already. There was cheese. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Brussels sprouts. Carrots. Carrots. Parsnips. Little Parsnips. turkey meatballs. Wow. Wow. And then for dessert, we had pizza dough balls, like with mince, mince pie, like mince meat. But not, it's not meat, it's fruit. Whoa. Like the innards of a mince pie, but in swells of pizza dough. This is something we do not have here in the States. When Lauren was over in November, we had like a little festive kick. Because I like to mm-hmm. go, I like to, I, I'm a sucker. It's the only time I'll do it. But Christmas time, I'm like, what's that KFC? You've got a little, a little Christmas burger? I'll have it. It wasn't, yeah. you know what? The stuffing mayonnaise, I liked it, but the cranberry sauce was too acidic for me. And oh, there wasn't no. enough of both. I needed them to be mixed. The Weatherspoons Christmas <sighs> burger, great. I didn't have I didn't have the brie and cranberry one. I had the chicken and stuffing one. So for me, mm. the chicken and stuffing, that's like a classic Christmas dish. The Greg's mm-hmm. Festive Bake, 10 out of 10. Subway, haven't oh. done one. They've said they've done one. But it's a lie. What else have we had? Oh, and then the Papa John's pizza. You can also get the festive one, vegan. That pizza is a crime against nature. It a was crime a... against pizza. I didn't hate it, but I would never eat it again. I think that the lesson here with both Jane Eyre and this Papa John's situation that you've ingested is that when you are adapting... Either a classic piece of literature <laughs> or a, or a roast dinner. Oh yeah, you or really need dinner. to you really need to give it some careful thought. Yeah, I think that's probably what we can take away from this entire situation. You're right. <laughs> so for all of our listeners that celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, and for the rest of you, Happy Holidays. I'm sorry about the Papa John's pizza.
<laughs> yes, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Um, while we're on break, you can chat with us on the internets. And where can you find us on the internets, Hannah? You can find us as always, on Instagram and Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. You can email us, bonnets at dawn at gmail.com and you can join our Facebook group by searching Bonnets at Dawn, confirming that you listen to the show and agreeing to the, uh, just the general rules that say, hey, do you agree to be cool? Do you agree that it's okay that we read your comments about read-alongs and watch-alongs on the show? Just say yes to and that. What's, People seem to be shy. What's the weirdest pizza? You yeah. can read the rules. They're not scary. They're not. We promise. Just be cool. <sighs> wow. What a good note to end it on. Yeah. Just be cool like Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs>